Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I interviewed Jeff Luno twice for this podcast, once in July of 2020 and once in September. Okay, you can you hear me, Ben? I can hear you. Can you hear me and see me? Yes, I can hear you and see you. We so talked for a total of five and a half hours. In our first interview, he wasn't yet willing to address the sign-stealing scandal, so we covered topics leading up to it, mostly things that you've heard about over our first five episodes. Uh, Julie, are you rolling? She is nodding. When we sat down for the second time, Luna was ready to talk about the scandal. Very ready. So here we are, September 23rd, 2020, and I'm interviewing Jeff Luno. Jeff, am I right that this is the first interview you've agreed to about the Astros science dealing since the commissioner's report back in January, nine months ago? That's correct. I uh, sent out a statement, a brief statement that day, and I haven't spoken to anybody in the media about this since. So this will be the first time I've had an opportunity to tell my story. Luno says he was blindsided when The Athletic broke the trash can banging story in November of 2019. As you'll recall, he had been told by Major League Baseball officials that other teams had suspected the Astros of illegally stealing signs. But Luno says the specifics in the athletic story shocked him. I couldn't believe it, uh, how something so outlandish like banging on a trash can could actually work. Uh, if the noise was loud enough to go from the clubhouse to home plate, how could other people not hear it? It's just, none of it made sense to me. I had a lot of questions. and. Um, and of course, they started to be answered very quickly as soon as we started interviewing people. The Astros undertook an internal investigation and quickly confirmed the Athletics' reporting. The club also cooperated with Major League Baseball's inquiry. So did Luno. He turned over his cell phone. He sat for multiple interviews with the league's Department of Investigations. And he told them over and over again that his players and coaches had carried out the scheme behind his back. They did investigate us rigorously. They looked at emails, they looked at text messages, they looked at Slack messages, they looked at documents, they looked at, they looked at a lot, uh, a lot, a lot of stuff. In early January of 2020, baseball commissioner Rob Manfred sent Luno a private letter laying out the charges against him. I mentioned in an earlier episode that Luno had written a 24-page document for his job interview with Astros owner Jim Crane, in which he pitched his vision for the team. Now he was pitching Manfred on his innocence. This time, the document he prepared was 150 pages, 14 tabbed sections, laying out his defense. After sending it in, Luno flew to New York to tell Manfred, in person, that he hadn't known anything about the Astros scheme. I went to the commissioner's office after I received these allegations, and I sat across the table from Rob, and I offered to take a polygraph test. I wanted to take a polygraph test. I wanted to clear my name. Um, he had no interest in that. Meanwhile, the baseball world was screaming for Commissioner Manfred to get to the bottom of what had happened and to bring the hammer down on those responsible. It's about time you wake up, baseball! Get moving! My God! Come down hard on him! Get going! Rob! Now! On January 13th, 2020, two months after the athletic story broke, 
Luno was en route to Mexico for a preseason getaway with his wife when his phone pinged. It was an email from Rob Manfred containing his report on his investigation into the Houston Astros. As we landed, the news had broken, and there were actually three Yankee fans sitting in the row right behind me, vigorously discussing the punishment and talking poorly about the Astros. They didn't know I was sitting right in front of them. As Luno's plane taxied in Mexico, he listened as the Yankees fans discussed the results of the league's investigation. Luno and Astros manager A.J. Hinch were both being suspended without pay for the upcoming 2020 season. After winning the World Series in 2017, tonight Major League Baseball says the champs are cheats. Suspending Houston Astros manager A.J. Hinch and general manager Jeff Lunau after the league says their team stole pitching signs during the historic season. My reaction was, quite frankly, not great. I knew there was a lot of pressure on the commissioner and the commissioner's office to hand out some some big punishments. Uh, other teams were pretty upset with what had happened, and and I knew that uh, I knew that it probably meant a suspension for me and and certainly for AJ. I did not expect uh, a year long suspension at all. I thought that was quite unfair. But as Luno quickly learned, the suspension was only the first shoe to drop. As he and his wife waited in baggage claim, he got a call from the Astros general counsel who put the team's owner, Jim Crane, on the line. It was a very quick conversation. I think it lasted 29 seconds. Jim said he was going to fire me. Um, He said that he had just fired AJ. He said when I came back to town, we would uh, discuss my contract, and and that never happened. Um, And quite frankly, um, that that was it. Luno had walked over to stand next to a pillar, away from the crowd that surrounded the baggage carousel. I was shocked. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, two months earlier, I'd been sitting in my box at Minute Maid Park watching Game 7 of the World Series. We were eight outs away from winning our second world championship in three years, and now I was being fired for something that I wasn't involved in, something that I didn't know about. Jim Crane announced his decision publicly later that day. He portrayed it as a righteous decapitation a decisive move to clean up the Astros organization in one fell swoop. And I'm going above and beyond MLB's penalty. Today, I have made the decision to dismiss A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau. We need to move forward with a clean slate, and the Astros will become stronger, a stronger organization because of this today. Since joining the front office in 2011, Luno had fired dozens of Astros employees because they no longer provided the edge he was looking for. Hundreds even, if you count all the players he released. Now it was Luno's turn to be fired. His 29-second airport conversation with Crane remains the last time the two have talked. I sent him a text for Easter and I sent him a text for Father's Day. Uh, He did respond to the Father's Day text and it was just a, a greeting and that was it. Luno's angry about what his team did, and he understands why everyone else is, too. It shouldn't have happened, and, and people have the right to be upset about it. I'm upset about it, for that matter. But he's also angry about how his eight years working for Crane ended. He's angry that he lost his job, and that he was fired for cause, which I've learned will cause him to lose out on more than $20 million that he would have been paid over the remainder of his contract. But maybe more than anything, Luno's angry that his ouster made it look like he was the problem. As far as he's concerned, that conclusion is undermined by what is to him the most important detail in the commissioner's report. A line that the commissioner buried on page 6. The investigation revealed no evidence that Luno was aware of the banging scheme. 
how could Luno not know? This was the visionary architect of the whole Astros experiment. Shouldn't he have seen this? And if he really didn't, what did that say about him and the Astros? I'm Ben Ryder, and this is part one of a two-part finale of The Edge. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. They said it couldn't be done. They say it bordered on impossible. When someone says I can't do something, I usually agree with them. (laughs) And now, against all odds, this completely mediocre comedy podcast has done the unthinkable. They got listeners. We got listeners. No way. Amazing. Now available on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm so happy we're at Odyssey now. Oh my God, they're amazing. The Commercial Break Podcast. You heard it here last. The commissioner's report clocked in at more than 4,000 words. It was based on interviews by the league's top in-house investigators, led by a pair of former prosecutors. They spoke to a total of 68 people, 23 of them current or former Astros players. The investigation also included a review of tens of thousands of emails, text messages, and other documents. A lot of fans did not want to believe that the Astros were banging on a trash can to signify which pitches were coming. But it is a fact as listed in this report from MLB. The report confirmed that the trash can scheme had started about two months into the 2017 season, at which point the Astros already had a comfortable lead in the American League West. The team had tried clapping, whistling, and yelling before settling on banging. A probe by the league confirming the use of a camera-based system that caught opponent signals then that was relayed through the ballpark and onto the field by means of banging on a trash can. The report concluded that the plot was player-driven. The league's investigation reveals virtually all of the Astros players had some involvement or knowledge of the scheme. It named Carlos Beltran as having a role in its invention and also said that bench coach Alex Cora was the one who arranged for the video screen to be installed in the dugout tunnel. MLB's report more so putting the spotlight on Alex Cora. He was Houston's bench coach in 2017. The report implicates him as something of an orchestrator of this relay system. That meant the scandal was going to touch more than just the Astros. By the time the report was released, Beltran was the manager of the Mets and Cora of the Red Sox, two of the league's most valuable franchises. And while the league didn't immediately punish either Beltran or Cora, both were sanctioned in other ways. More breaking news into SportsCenter. Carlos Beltran is out as manager of the Mets before he even managed a game. Major League fallout from baseball's cheating scandal. Red Sox manager Alex Cora also fired now for stealing signs. The commissioner's report found that while the Astros manager, A.J. Hinch, disapproved of the scheme, he'd done little to stop it. It's easy to imagine that Hinch could have laid down the law with Beltran and Cora. 
He could have held a team meeting. He could have reported it to Luno, but he didn't. The only thing he did do was twice bust up the video monitor the players were using to crack signs, as he later sheepishly explained in an interview on MLB Network. You know, my mindset at that point was to demonstrate that I didn't like it. So what did, what, what did you do? I hit it. I mean, I just, a bat. I mean, I didn't like it. You took a bat to it. Yeah, I didn't like it. I should have done more. I should have, I should have addressed it more directly. The report also found that in September of 2017, after White Sox relief pitcher Danny Farquhar noticed the banging, a, quote, sense of panic enveloped the Astros' dugout, and players hid the video monitor in an office. But Jeff Luno? The report said he hadn't been involved. What specifically were you individually punished for? I was punished because it happened while I was general manager. I think it's, it's that simple. Um, so getting the manager and the general manager seemed like an adequate sacrifice uh, and, and enough to, to satisfy the outcry from the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the other clubs that were insisting that, that heads roll uh, based on this. Luno was unambiguous about this when we spoke in September. He believes that he was a sacrifice. You know, Ben, I want to be very clear. I, I didn't cheat. I've never cheated, never cheated in my career, never cheated in school. It's not something that I would condone. And I do believe fans should be outraged that this happens. There is no place for this in baseball. The commissioner, Rob Manfred, had avoided naming any players in his report, except for the retired Beltron. He also didn't punish any of them. Manfred explained that it would be difficult and impractical to do so because so many players were involved, and he couldn't determine the individual culpability of each one. What Manfred didn't mention in the report was that he'd given players immunity in exchange for testifying, and that he didn't want an ugly battle with the players' union. Manfred certainly didn't say what was obvious to anyone who understood the business of baseball. If the league had elected to punish individual players, it would be sidelining a few dozen of its most reliable sources of profit. It's, it's uh, unquestionable or, or probably pretty reasonable conclusion to believe that every player in the Astros knew about the banging scheme. The last thing uh, commissioners want to do is punish lots of players, and you would have had to punish lots of players in this. Um, Rob did make, I believe, a big mistake in giving the players immunity so quickly. He did it before any of the interviews. And uh, I, I don't think he was expecting to find as much involvement from the players as he did. People wondered what message Manfred was sending to his league's players. Why is it that the players haven't been punished by Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball in your estimation? Is it because of a deal with the Players Association? I think that when they went in to find out information, they gave them immunity by saying, if you tell us everything that happened, you will not be punished so that they could get more information. I am totally for the fact that the players need to be accountable for this because what it tells me, the message that's sent across all baseball, players are now saying, all right, cool. I can do anything I want and the blame's gonna go on my manager. I, I Back in September of 2017, in the immediate wake of the Red Sox smartwatch scandal, Manfred had faced a conundrum. It appeared he didn't want the allegations against the Red Sox and Yankees to become an ongoing topic of public discussion. He made that clear in a confidential letter that he sent to every team in the league. In that letter, which I have seen, Manfred instructed club personnel not to make any statements or comments to the media regarding this topic, either on the record or on background. He even threatened fines and suspensions for anyone who violated the order. But Manfred also knew that illegal sign-stealing was a problem that threatened his league's reputation and credibility. 
In a memo he sent after the Red Sox scandal to all MLB owners, CEOs, presidents, and GMs, Manfred reiterated the league's rules against using electronic devices to steal signs. Manfred said in the memo that responsibility for complying with these rules lay with managers and GMs. Two and a half years later, Manfred specifically cited Luno's failure to forward that memo to his players and staff as a way of justifying Luno's punishment. The reality is, I wish I had forwarded the memo. It wouldn't have changed anything except for maybe my punishment, which would have been nice, but it wouldn't have changed what actually happened. And, you know, this was never an issue of lack of awareness. There's not one person uh, involved that used not knowing the rules as an excuse. Everybody who did this, they knew the rules. They knew they were violating the rules. I asked Luno why he didn't forward the memo. He pointed out that the banging scheme actually appears to have stopped less than a week after it was sent out. And he told me that even though he hadn't forwarded the memo, he talked about it with several members of his staff, including A.J. Hinch. And I asked him about anybody on our team that might be using electronic devices in the dugout. He said Alex Cora had an Apple Watch that he had been using, wearing, earlier in the season, but he knew it was against the rules, and so he was no longer wearing it. With that answer, I was satisfied that we didn't have any electronic devices in the dugout and were not doing what Boston was caught doing. To be fair, there were other easily conceivable ways a team might be electronically communicating illegally stolen signs, other than via smartwatch. And Luno could have asked about those, or explicitly and vocally discouraged sign stealing in general to a broader group of his employees. So why didn't he? I asked an Astros insider for his view of Luno's front office's culture, especially its ethics. Speaking on the condition of anonymity, he told me he'd been thinking about something that used to happen when he played video games as a kid. You'd be playing against somebody that would find a glitch in the game, and they'd take advantage of it and ruin the whole game for everybody. The Astros, he said, were that friend. He told me, if they could find a way to get better, even if it took all the fun out of the game, they would. But that didn't mean cheating. I never, ever, ever thought Jeff had a culture of cheating. Not once did I see him cross that line. At the same time, though, it's fair to ask, shouldn't Luno have known about the cheating, even if he wasn't actively encouraging it? Shouldn't he have personally scrutinized his players, particularly after MLB officials told him in 2018 there were rumors that the Astros had stolen signs the season before? Luno only really dug into the issue of sign stealing on his own team when it was already too late, after the athletics report had broken. Luno says it was then that he finally asked around about the illicit allure of video for players. One of the coaches on our team said it's like putting crack in front of a crack addict. Like you put video there, players are going to want to look at the signs. The video is pointing right at the catcher. And so it's, it's sort of a natural extension. Um, and I'm sure it happened in, in other clubhouses as, as well. It's just too tempting to not use it for that reason. Back in 2017, Luno says, he wasn't thinking about video this way. He assumed his players and staff knew the rules and were following them. I asked him if, in retrospect, assuming wasn't enough. So people do have a hard time understanding how the GM of the team could possibly not know this was happening. Can you explain that? Sure. First of all, let's start with I wish I knew. If I knew, I would have stopped it. Um, I wasn't looking for us stealing signs. I didn't think we were doing it. I had no idea we were doing it. And when you're not looking for something, you you miss maybe some clues or, or some subtle things that you would find if you were looking for it. 
you know, also the other answer, Ben, is they were concealing it. They didn't want people to know what they were doing. The commissioner's report backs this up, both that Luno's players never shared their illegal sign-stealing scheme with him, and also that he definitely wasn't looking for it. There's an expression that Sherlock Holmes uses, the dog didn't bark. All this evidence that they collected, interviews, emails, text messages, etc., there was nothing that implicated me. The dog didn't bark. There was no evidence. And yet, um, you know, they proceeded to, to punish me. All that appears to be true as far as the trash can banging scheme goes. But the commissioner did find some evidence that he believed implicated Luno in something else. The Astros' other sign-stealing scheme. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast during the inquiry into the astros scandal jeff luno acquired something he probably wasn't supposed to have i turned over my phone to major league baseball and gave them access to everything so they, you know, they had access to everything that would be on my phone, my messages, my emails, my voicemails, et cetera. Um, a few other people turned over their phones and I asked them once they downloaded my phone after the investigation was over to please send me back my data because I wanted to know what they had. And they sent it back to me, but they sent me back everybody's as well, which obviously probably a mistake. Wow. After our interview, Luno clarified how the trove of texts got to him. He says he found out that MLB had sent it to the Astros, who then forwarded it to his lawyer, probably accidentally. That data, Luno says, revealed exchanges his employees had been having without his knowledge. One of those employees was the head of the Astros' advanced scouting department, Tom Koch-Vazer. Tom is a central figure in the sign-stealing operation, the the video decoding operation. I have accessed 22,000 text messages that Tom sent or received from 2016 all the way through until the end of 2019. And many of these are openly discussing the cheating and obvious violations of the rules. It's very clear who's involved. Um, It's also very clear who's not involved. Do you remember the name Tom Kochvazer? I mentioned him back in episode two when Astros coach Dave Tremblay described meeting him for the first time before the 2014 season. Guy came up to me and he introduced himself, nice young man. 
He said, yeah, I was in Seattle last year. He said, David, I just want to tell you. He said, we had all your signs last year. I said, what? He said, we played you guys 18 times. We had the signs. So he said, you're going to understand that this is the way the game's going. Coke Vaser, who most people called TKW, had been hired to run the Astros' advanced scouting department and was warning Tremblay that his old team, the Seattle Mariners, had used video to crack the signs that Tremblay and the Astros' other coaches typically used. Things like what it meant when they tugged at one of their ears or swiped their hands across their chest or touched the brim of their caps. All those gestures that anyone who's watched a baseball game has seen coaches make. TKW's responsibility centered on helping Astros players and coaches strategize against their opponents. And over the years, those responsibilities expanded. In 2017, Tom took over the video and the uh, replay functions as well. So he was essentially in charge of not only advance, but the, to- the, the replay and the video. Uh, the, the, all the people from the front office that are in the clubhouse during games all reported to Tom starting in 2017. Luno says that in that role, TKW became the point man in a sign-stealing scheme that the Astros began employing in parallel to the trash can banging. The mechanics of this one are a little convoluted, but they should sound familiar. Typically, several Astros staffers, led by TKW, would crack catcher signs at their video replay review station. The signs would then be sent, sometimes by text message, to a coach in the dugout, then signaled to second base, if the Astros had a runner there. The base runner, now knowing their opponent's code, would then tip off the batter at the plate as to the type of pitch he'd see next. A source told me that this is how the runner would do it. If he put a specific foot on the second base bag, that indicated he had the signs. Then, if the runner took a long lead towards third, it meant a fastball was coming. If he crept in towards the pitcher, it meant look for something off-speed. And unlike the trash can scheme, this system worked both at home and on the road. To be honest, I was a little suspicious because the advanced crew kept telling me they needed two people on the road. And, uh, you know, for budget reasons, I don't like sending extra people on the road unless there's a real justification. But they kept telling me that they really need to have a second person. There's a lot of work to be done. The commissioner's report did also dig into this scheme, but in a relatively opaque way. It doesn't, for instance, name TKW, referring only to lower-level baseball operations employees. But Luno has more information about it, courtesy of those 22,000 text messages. And for him, several of those text conversations stand out. One was in early September of 2017, when news of the league's investigation into the Red Sox misuse of smartwatches first emerged. There was an article that Tom forwarded to the other people that were involved in the cheating, and he said, "Uh uh-oh, and he forwarded the message. Um, Pretty clear indication that they were aware that this was a violation, that what they were doing was wrong, and pretty clear indication of who was involved. In order to help crack the more complicated sign patterns that opponents used with runners on second base, an Astros intern had designed an Excel-based algorithm. The existence of the algorithm was first revealed in the Wall Street Journal in February of 2020, a month after the commissioner released his report. The intern had given the algorithm a name right out of a Bond movie, Codebreaker. Codebreaker is essentially an Excel spreadsheet where you input the catcher's signs and you input what the pitch actually was, and you allow Excel to run calculations to figure out what signs are what pitches. It appears to me from those messages that in or around May of 2017, 
Tom would assign somebody every night to be on codebreaker duty. Most of the evidence suggests the trash can banging scheme ended the day Danny Farquhar picked up on it in September 2017. But according to the text messages Luno read, as well as the commissioner's report, the codebreaker scheme continued after that, into the 2018 season. In fact, TKW took steps to make it work even better. Tom had argued vociferously for moving the replay room down to the tunnel. And so by 2018, the replay room was actually within shouting distance of the dugout, so they didn't actually need to communicate via text message anymore. Uh, They could actually just shout the sign. By 2018, the league had installed security agents to monitor replay rooms, something Luno had voted for at the GM meetings over the winter. But there was only one agent to cover both clubs' replay rooms during any given game. Luno says the text messages suggest that TKW's staff came up with a workaround. They had a lookout system where they would have someone look out for the monitor. So when the monitor left our dugout and went over to the other dugout, presumably they would go ahead and do their thing. Why would TKW and his department go to such lengths to provide the Astros players with illicit information? I mean, lookouts? Luno has an idea, and it has to do with the power dynamics within the Astros organization and the way the money flowed. While TKW's department was part of the front office, its members spent almost all their time down in the clubhouse. In some respects, they really worked for the players and were directly incentivized to keep the players happy and prove their worth to them. That was particularly true when it came to a funny arrangement in baseball called playoff shares. When a team makes the playoffs, its players are entitled to a cut of the revenue from ticket sales. The players then vote on which non-playing staff members are also entitled to a share of the proceeds. The value of those shares, especially for a team that advances far, can really add up. When the Astros won the 2017 World Series, for instance, a full share was worth nearly $450,000 for each person who got one. Even by the player's standards, that's a lot of money. For an advanced scout or video room staffer, it can be life-changing. The advanced team was doing everything they could to show the players how much value they were creating for them in order to be considered on the playoff share list. Now, everybody on the advanced team, the video team, the replay team, the traveling sector, et cetera, made it onto the list in 2017. And if you were on that list, the playoff share list from 17, 18, 19, you got much more money than the Astros were paying you. The cumulative amount of the playoff shares in the years we went to the playoffs was, for a full share, would have been close to just under a million dollars. So you think about that. You're getting, you know, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars from the players, like as a tip for, for helping them, and you're getting paid, you know, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars from the club. Where are your incentives going to be? Where's your loyalty going to be? I think it's pretty clear. Yes, TKW managed several employees in his department. But as one of his longtime co-workers described him to me, he was really a worker bee. A guy who earned nothing close to what the players or top executives did and relied on the players voting to pay him more for the lion's share of his yearly compensation. And whatever you think of the Astros, the sign-stealing system he was facilitating was not as unusual or brazen as the trash can scheme. That was part of why I felt reluctant to name TKW in this podcast. He was a cog in the Astros machine, a machine that was overseen by Jeff Luno. Ultimately, though, TKW is responsible for his actions, and on some level for those of the people who reported to him, no matter the incentives he faced or the pressure he was under. 
After all, Luna was also highly incentivized to build a winner. That didn't stop the commissioner from holding him responsible, even though, according to the report, quote, Luno neither devised nor actively directed the efforts of the replay room staff to decode signs in 2017 or 2018. It says, although Luno denies having any awareness mm. that his replay review room was decoding and transmitting signs, there is both documentary and testimonial evidence that indicates Luno had some knowledge of these efforts, but he did not give it much attention. He did not give it much attention. In fact, as Luno told the League's investigators, he had heard of Codebreaker. Once. It came up as part of a PowerPoint presentation in 2016 by the intern who'd made it, a Penn graduate who was working as the team's Spanish translator. Luno says he figured Codebreaker might be useful in legally cracking opponent signs from past video, something most every team did in various ways. We spoke about it for about a minute and then moved on to the next topic. And I never heard about Codebreaker after that. I assumed that the project was shelved because it was a translator's extra credit project. You know, I never had a conversation about it after that. The cache of emails Luno handed over to the League did include two reports TKW had written in 2017 and sent to several recipients, including Luno. I've seen these emails. They're both long, more than five printed pages, and include analyses, charts, and photos related to a variety of topics, like the Astros' fielding and base running, and changes in individual players' swings. The emails don't mention Codebreaker explicitly, or even black-and-white rule-breaking, but they do contain references to what TKW calls the system. In the first email, TKW devoted a paragraph to it. It was only three sentences, and it was near the bottom of the document. But it did get its own section header, and it was labeled The System in scare quotes. TKW was clearly uneasy about discussing it. As a disclaimer, he wrote that he didn't want to electronically correspond too much about it. But he said he thought it was working, and that the advanced scouting team was getting, quote, real good dope on pitchers tipping and being lazy. That information, TKW informed Luno and the email's other recipients, will eventually yield major results in our favor once players get used to the implementation. Four pages into a second email, sent a few months later, TKW wrote, Our dark arts, sign-stealing department has been less productive in the second half, as the league has become aware of our reputation, and now most clubs change their signs a dozen times per game. Luno responded to both emails, emphasizing to TKW that he considered their broad range of topics to be helpful and important, and felt the team should be made aware of them. But Luno says that he replied without actually reading to the end, causing him to miss the references to the system and the dark arts. It's a questionable excuse. But for what it's worth, several of Luno's former employees have confirmed to me that Luno was known for never reading to the end of long emails. I told the investigators I didn't read the emails because that's the truth. There was something else, though. In October 2020, after his interviews with me, but before this episode was released, Luno also professed his innocence in an interview with a Houston TV affiliate. Afterwards, an unnamed source told The Athletic that the league's investigators had heard direct testimony that Luno was aware of the sign-stealing scheme. The source added, The best interpretation of the evidence is that Luno either knew exactly what the video room was doing or knew generally what they were doing and willfully chose to keep himself in the dark. The Wall Street Journal was the first publication to obtain and report on the contents of the private letter Commissioner Manfred sent to Luno in early January of 2020, 
detailing the charges against him. I've seen the letter too, so I've read what I assume are the strongest examples of the testimony the source cited to The Athletic. One video room staffer said he couldn't recall a specific conversation with Luno about Codebreaker, but was, quote, almost positive Luno had talked about it in his presence. Another staffer agreed that Luno may have seen Codebreaker being used in the video room during road games, and that no one in the department made an effort to hide it from Luno. But the most direct assertions against Luno came from Tom Koch Vaser. Among other things, TKW testified that he discussed Codebreaker a few times with Luno, and that Luno would smile and, quote, giggle. TKW said that Luno would occasionally make passing references to Codebreaker at group dinners, with, quote, a sense of glee. And TKW told the league that Luno sometimes entered the Astros' video room during road games and made comments such as, you guys code-breaking? But Luno denies all of it. He lied in his first investigation interview with our internal general counsel. He said he didn't know anything about it. He lied in his one of his interviews with Major League Baseball where he minimized the scope and the duration of the cheating. And then he lied when he said, I might have known about it and created some conversations that never happened between him and I it, you know, between 2016 and 2017. It was ultimately TKW's word against Luno's. But for whatever reason, the commissioner didn't include TKW's testimony in his public report. In the end, after two months of work and a review of thousands upon thousands of communications and interviews with 68 witnesses, the league could not definitively prove that Jeff Luno knew about either of his club's sign-stealing schemes. But that doesn't answer the question of why so many people Luno hired and managed all conspired to cheat. Do you wish you'd done anything differently on a level of philosophy or leadership? Uh, the answer is yes. And um, I think from a leadership and philosophy standpoint, um, I, I should have paid more attention to rule compliance. I should have made it a higher priority. I trusted the people under me were taking care of that, and that that was wrong. But I would have asked more questions. I would have been maybe more curious and 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 asked, you know, read the emails in their entirety and and gone down and asked some follow-up questions. Those are things I certainly wish I could have done. Still, Luno feels the league's investigation wasn't straight. This was not about a fact-finding mission. This was about satisfying the, the teams that were screaming for heads. You know, quite frankly, there are at least seven people who were actively involved in the cheating scandal, and I have evidence of that, and so does MLB and so do the Astros, that received zero punishment, no admonishment, are still with the Astros today, and in fact, one of them actually got a promotion after this. So is that, uh, is that fair? No, it's not. By late October of 2020, it no longer appeared true that all those people were still with the Astros. Five sources told me that after a broad round of layoffs and furloughs, Tom Koch Vaser was not on the payroll anymore. TKW didn't respond to any of my requests for comment. I asked the Astros to confirm his employment status, but they didn't write back. Jeff Luno has combed through the 22,000 text messages he was forwarded during Major League Baseball's investigation. But there are at least two things he's still uncertain about. One is whether his team's two sign-stealing systems, Codebreaker and the Trash Can Scheme, truly ran in parallel and never in tandem. There had been a connection at one point, 
The report found that the trash can scheme started when several players, including Beltron, along with Alex Cora, decided that the Codebreaker team wasn't effective enough, and that Cora had actually enlisted a video room staffer to hook up the trash can monitor. But still, something like Codebreaker would have been really useful to someone sitting in front of a video monitor next to a trash can, trying to break a code. But this was separate from the trash can banging thing, or was there a connection at some point? You know, the commissioner's report said there didn't appear to be a connection. Um, I would be surprised if the players were good enough at deciphering signs with their eyes that they didn't need some sort of uh, computer help or Excel help. So um, I don't have any evidence of that, but there's a lot I can't see because even though I've been in baseball for 16 years, I'm not as good at the players at, at picking up these clues. Maybe they know how to figure out the signs without any help. Um, and maybe that's how they were doing it. But uh, my guess is there was probably some, some aid somewhere along the way. The other thing that Luno doesn't know is what his team was doing when the stakes were highest. The commissioner's private letter to Luno suggested that the banging scheme extended through the 2017 postseason. But you'll remember from our last episode that Astros fan Tony Adams's rigorous analysis didn't detect any bangs in the playoffs, and neither the commissioner's report nor the commissioner's private letter to Luno provide any substantiation. Do you have any insight as to what the team was doing during the playoffs and the World Series specifically? So I, I don't, but I will say this. Now, based on what I know, executing either one of those schemes during the playoffs would have been an order of magnitude more difficult for, for three main reasons. The first one is something that anyone who has been to a postseason game knows. The playoffs are loud. That would probably preclude effective trash can banging. The second is that the Dodgers, in particular, followed their leader Chase Utley's guidance by actively deploying countermeasures and constantly changed up their signs. The third is that there are just so many people around during playoff games. They're in the dugout, they're in the clubhouse, they're in the tunnel, before the game, during the game, after the game. There's no way that anybody would have gotten away with banging a trash can in the tunnel during a game in the World Series. But Luno is certain about one thing. Do you think that the team deserves to keep its rings from 2017? Um, I'm keeping my ring. You know, I, I put this team together and I'm very proud of the group of athletes that we put together and the fact that they were able to accomplish the great things that they were. The reality is whether we have our rings or the trophy, this championship in 2017 will always have a question mark next to it. There will be fans who will believe it wasn't earned. I know we had a team that was capable of winning a championship, but we demonstrated it in 2018 and we demonstrated again in 2019. And so, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what we did there. I'm not proud of the sign stealing at all. I, I think it's horrific, but my answer is, is, is yes. I mean, we, we move on. Um, we won the World Series in 2017 and um, everybody's learned a, a great lesson from what happened. We've paid a dear cost for it. But I have to wonder why players who were so talented already, who could have won the World Series anyway, decided that taking such a risky extra step was worth it. So why'd they do it? How'd they justify it to themselves? I wish I could answer that question. I really, I really do. Um, I think both, both from the players who uh, participated as well as from anybody that was working for the Astros uh, coaching staff or video staff that, that participated. Um, I, there's no, there was no reason to do it. Um, we, we had a great team. We, we should have and could have won without, without it. You know, I apologize for what the Astros did. I apologize to the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
I apologize to the New York Yankees. I apologize to the Boston Red Sox. And I apologize to any team that we might have gained an advantage on during the 17 and 18 season because we were breaking the rules. Um, I really want that to be out there. I feel bad and I'm sorry. I'm, I really am sorry. I wish I had known about it. I would have stopped it. We'd be talking about something different now. I've had to accept consequences. I've had the most severe consequences of anybody relative to what I did and what I knew. That's because I was the general manager. At the beginning of this series, I told you I was trying to discover the answer to a big question. What drove the most forward-thinking organization in the history of sports, not just to the edge, but over it? You know by now that there's no single answer. As I've come to understand it after all these months, even years, of reporting on and thinking about the Astros, it was a perfect storm of factors, a storm which wouldn't have struck in the absence of any one of them. 1. Sign-stealing was an age-old, even-valued tradition in baseball, and though the use of devices in that effort had technically been banned long before 2017, the league had never actually punished any individual for doing it. So in practice, it remained a matter of ethics, not rules. You need to know what, that's, what that guy is doing in order for you to give yeah. yourself a chance. Two, new, very lightly regulated technologies made sign-stealing easier than ever and contributed to an atmosphere of paranoia, particularly thanks to the video resources introduced by both the Astros and Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball brought the snake into the Garden of Eden and then were surprised when the players took a bite of the apple. Three, the specific makeup of the Astros clubhouse meant that one veteran in particular wielded enormous influence over both players and staff in ways that were generally positive, but not always. Though Chen had his hands in every cookie jar in America, but he of course now is on the back pages of the New York tabloids, you know, as Don Corleone there is sort of a puppeteer, the mastermind. Four, a whistleblower stepped forward, breaking baseball's entrenched code of silence and sparking a public furor about an organization that many wanted to see fail anyway. That whistleblower revealed transgressions that were visceral and absurd and almost laughably easy to detect, at least after the fact. This one's less about what the Astros did and more about why it ended up disgracing them, because it forced Major League Baseball to deal with a problem it had knowledge of, but had never proactively investigated in hope of avoiding a scandal. They have a guy on the record, a guy that was on the team, Mike Fires, a pitcher, who laid out exactly what they do. Then there's the fifth factor, the Astros' culture. It was a culture that stressed the organization's exceptionalism, innovativeness, iconoclasm, and efficiency, and eventually made it a lot of enemies. A culture that my book was part of lionizing. A culture that condoned rule-bending, if not rule-breaking, but also didn't overtly prioritize rule-following. It was a culture that put highly capable and ambitious technocrats in relatively low-paying jobs and expected them to provide an edge year after year if they wanted to keep those jobs, let alone move up. It was a culture that was geared, above all, to one thing, its own success. They were not interested in finding out if something wrong was going on. <laughs> they were not interested in facts that dissented with their plan. I've been thinking a lot about one famous quotation, mostly as it relates to things far bigger than baseball, 
but also how it relates to the Astros. It's a Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, and I know that because I looked it up after I heard it on Succession. An institution is the lengthened shadow of one man. Jeff Luno certainly bears responsibility for a lot that the Astros became in the last decade, both their extraordinary successes and their extraordinary failure. But it's more than possible that the lengthened shadow that really loomed over the Astros, the shadow under which they became everything they became, was being cast by someone else. I want to say again how sorry our team is for what happened. I want to also repeat that this will never happen again on my watch. That's next week on part two of our finale. presented by Prologue Projects in partnership with Cadence 13. The show is produced by Sam Lee and me, Ben Ryder, with editorial support from Madeline Kaplan and Ula Kulpa. Our executive producers are Leon Nafok, Andrew Parsons, Chris Corcoran, and Stephen Fisher. Our score is provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme song is by Andy Christens. The song you're hearing right now is Astro's Rally Song by Astro's fan Thomas Rivera. Our artwork is designed by Teddy Blanks. Fact-checking by Francis Carr. Special thanks to Julie Conquest. Thanks for listening. See you next week. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts.